Section 34 of Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. Library of the World's Best Literature. Ancient and Modern. Volume 5. Section 34. Juan Buscon. 1493-1540. The reign of Juan the Second of Spain, 1406-1454, characterized as it was by a succession of conspiracies and internal commotions, represents also one of the most important epochs in the history of Spanish poetry, which up to that period had found expression almost exclusively in the crude, though spirited historical and romantic ballads of anonymous origin, Iliads without a Homer, as Lope de Vega called them, the first to attempt a reform in castilian verse was the marquis of Villena, died fourteen thirty four who introduced the allegory and a tendency to imitate classical models and although he himself left nothing of consequence his influence is plainly revealed in the works of his far greater pupils and successors the marquis of santillana and juan de mena strangely enough the reigns of ferdinand and isabella and of the austrian charles v covering the most brilliant and momentous period in spanish history are yet marked by comparative stagnation in letters until after the first quarter of the sixteenth century during the greater part of this period the increasing pomp and formality of the court rendered the poetry correspondingly artificial and insincere it was not in fact until after many years of constant intercourse with rome naples and florence while the bulk of the noble youth of spain resorted to the universities of those cities for higher education that a widespread and profound admiration for italian culture and refinement began to pave the way for another and more important revolution in castilian poetry than that inaugurated by Villena. Juan Buscan Amagavar, who was the first of his nation to compose verses after the manner of Petrarch, and whose successors in the sixteenth century include some of the most brilliant and inspired lyrists of Spain, was born in 1493 at Barcelona, a city which had witnessed the recent triumphs of the Provencal troubadours. Boscan, however, from the beginning of his career, preferred to write in Castilian rather than in the Limosin dialect. Of patrician descent, and possessed of ample means, he entered the army like the majority of the young nobles of his age. After a brief but honorable service as a soldier, he traveled extensively abroad, which led to his becoming deeply interested in the literature and art of Italy. 
Meanwhile, he had produced verses in the ancient lyric style, but with only a moderate measure of success. The year 1526 found Boscan at Grenada, where Andrea Navagero, ambassador from Venice to the court of Charles V, was then in residence. A common love of letters drew the two young men into closest intimacy with each other. Being with Navagero there one day, says Boscan in his letter to the Duquesa de Soma, and discoursing with him about matters of wit and letters, and especially about the different forms they take in different languages, he asked me why I did not make an experiment in Castilian of sonnets and the other forms of verse used by good Italian authors, and not only spoke to me of it thus slightly, but urged me to do it, and thus I began to try this kind of verse. At first I found it somewhat difficult, for it is of a very artful construction, and in many particulars different from ours. But afterwards it seemed to me, perhaps from the love we naturally bear to what is our own, that I began to succeed very well and so I went on, little by little, with increasing zeal. Little dreamed the Venetian diplomat that, owing to his friendly advice, a school was destined to arise shortly in the poetry of Spain, which would by no means have ceased to exist after the lapse of nearly four centuries. From that day, Boscan devoted himself to the exclusive composition of verses in the Italian measure undeterred by the bitter opposition of the partisans of the old school. The incomparable Carlicio de la Vega, then scarcely past his majority, warmly supported the innovation of his beloved friend, and soon far surpassed Boscan himself as a writer of sonnets and canzones. The Barcelonese poet spent the remainder of his life in comparative retirement. Although he appeared occasionally at court, and at one time superintended the education of the young Duke of Alva, whose name afterwards became one of such terror in the annals of the Netherlands. Boscan's death took place at Perpignan about 1540. An edition of Boscan's poems, together with those of his friend Garcilaso, was published at Barcelona in 1543. The collection is divided into four books three of which are devoted to the productions of the elder poet. The first consists of his early efforts in the old style, songs and ballads, canciones y coplas. The second and third books contain ninety-three sonnets and canzones, a long poem on Hero and Leander in blank verse, an elegy and two didactic epistles in terza rima, and a half-narrative, half-allegorical poem in one hundred and thirty-five octavo stanzas. The sonnets and canzones are obvious imitations of Petrarch, yet at the same time they are stamped with a spirit essentially Spanish, and occasionally evince a deep passion and melody of their own, though they may lack the subtle fascination of their exquisite models. The allegory, with its cleverly contrasted courts of love and jealousy, suggests the airy, graceful humor of Ariosto, and is perhaps the most agreeable and original of all Boscan's works. The epistle to Mendoza is conceived in the manner of Horace, and amidst a fund of genial philosophic comment, 
contains a charming picture of the poet's domestic happiness. He also left a number of translations from the classics. While in no sense a great poet, Boscan united simplicity, dignity, and classical taste in a remarkable degree, and, inclined as he seemed to entirely banish the ancient form of verse, he yet beyond question introduced a kind of poetry which was developed to a high degree of perfection in the Castilian tongue, and which may be studied with keen delight at this day in some of the noblest poetical monuments of Spanish literature. The best modern edition of Boscan's works is published under the title of Las Obras de Juan Boscan, Madrid, 1875. On the Death of Carcelasso Tell me, dear Carcelasso, thou, who ever aim'st at good, and in the spirit of thy vow, so swift her course pursued, that thy few steps suffice to place the angel in thy loved embrace. One instant, soon as wooed, why took'st thou not, when winged to flee, from this dark world, Boscan with thee? Why, when ascending to the star, where now thou sittest enshrined, left'st thou thy weeping friend afar, alas, so far behind? Oh, I do think, had it remained, with thee to alter aught ordained by the eternal mind thou wouldst not on this desert spot have left thy other self forgot for if through life thy love was such as still to take a pride in having me so oft and much close to thy envied side i cannot doubt i must believe thou wouldst at least have taken leave of me or if denied have come back afterwards unblessed till i too shared thy heavenly rest translation of whipfin a picture of domestic happiness from epistle to mendoza this peace that makes a happy life and that is mine through my sweet wife beginning of my soul and end i've gained new being through this friend she fills each thought and each desire up to the height i would aspire this bliss is never found by ranging regret still springs from saddest changing such loves and their beguiling pleasures are falser still than magic treasures which gleam at eve with golden colour and change to ashes ere the morrow but now each good that i possess rooted in truth and faithfulness imparts delight to every sense for erst they were a mere pretense and long before enjoyed they were they changed their smiles to grisly care now pleasures please love being single evils with its delights ne'er mingle and thus by moderation bounded i live by my own goods surrounded among my friends my table spread with viands we may eat nor dread and at my side my sweetest wife whose gentleness admits no strife except of jealousy the fear whose soft reproaches more endear our darling children round us gather children who will make me grandfather 
and thus we pass in town our days till the confinement something weighs then to our village haunt we fly taking some pleasant company while those we love not never come and near our rustic leafy home for better tis to philosophize and learn a lesson truly wise from lowing herd and bleating flock than from some men of vulgar stock and rustics as they hold the plough may often good advice bestow of love too we may have the joy for phoebus as a shepherd boy wandered once among the clover of some fair shepherdess the lover and venus wept in rustic bower adonis turned to purple flower and bacchus midst the mountains drear forgot the pangs of jealous fear and nymphs that in the water play tis thus that ancient fables say and dryads fair among the trees fain the sprightly fawns would please so in their footsteps follow we my wife and i as fond and free love in our thoughts and in our talk direct we slow our sauntering walk to some near murmuring rivulet where neath a shady beech we sit hand clasped in hand and side by side with some sweet kisses too beside contending there in combat kind which best can love with constant mind thus our village life we live and day by day such joys receive till to change the homely scene lest it pall while too serene to the gay city we remove where other things there are to love and graced by novelty we find the city's concourse to our mind while our new coming gives a joy which ever staying might destroy we spare all tedious compliment yet courtesy with kind intent which savage tongues alone abuse will often the same language use and monleon our dearest guest will raise our mirth by many a jest for while his laughter rings again can we to echo its refrain and other merriment is ours to gild with joy the lightsome hours but all too trivial would it look written down gravely in a book and it is time to say adieu though more i have to write to you another letter this shall tell so now my dearest friend farewell end of section thirty four recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida